Uh, if I can get everybody's attention, we can go ahead and get started. Uh, before I get started, a few weeks ago I came to Blake before I started to figure out what I was going to speak on, and I said, what in the world did you give me gentleness for? What am I going to say? I thought, man, that is an impossible topic. It's what I felt anyway. And he told me, jokingly, he said, well, maybe you need a little more gentleness in your life, and that's, that's why you, you don't know what to speak on. So I can say, since I've studied now, I do need some more gentleness. <laughs> I, I do. I think a lot of us probably do. Anyways, as we go, tonight's topic, of course, is gentleness. Um, first, we'll start by looking at the qualities of gentleness, or a quality of gentleness. It is the power over one spirit that radiates a meek and mild person like Jesus. To be gentle is to be meek. What are some things that come to mind when you hear the word meek or gentle? Maybe a smiling pushover, someone too sensitive, or an inflatable punching bag. But how can those things be right? Only two people in the Bible are referred to as meek. The first is Moses, as we see in Numbers 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. <clears throat> when Moses was attacked by Miriam and Aaron because of his marriage to a Cushite woman, he remained quiet, submissive, and gentle. The second person was, of course, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus was the ultimate example of meek or gentle. And was he not the exact opposite of a pushover? We see him show this in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When my, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Jesus was the ultimate example of meek or gentle, Oh, I'm backing up, ain't I? Sorry about that. A little bit nervous. Okay, I want to point four things that we gain from gentleness. Gentleness diffuses conflict. Gentleness is attractive and persuasive. Gentleness communicates love. And gentleness witnesses to unbelievers. The first topic I'll be speaking on is gentleness diffuses conflict. Did you know there are three main types of anger? There's passive aggression. This is when you are angry but, wait, but won't admit it. You do this because you don't like confrontation. Some ways you may show this is by becoming silent when angry or sulking, procrastinating, or even pretending everything is fine. This type of anger comes from a need to be in control. Next, we have open aggression. This can be the most dangerous type. This type may lash out in anger or rage, which usually ends up becoming physically or verbally abusive. This form of anger is most likely to end up hurting yourself or others. Open aggression also comes from a need to be in control. The final type of anger is assertive anger. This is the healthy form of anger and the type we should all strive for as brothers and sisters in Christ. Although, if we're honest, this isn't always the case. <clears throat> Assertive anger can help grow yourself and relationships. It's being more like Jesus, talking, listening, not raising your voice, but communicating how you are feeling 
emotionally and really trying to understand how others are feeling. Assertive anger is being gentle like Moses and being patient, showing maturity. It's being confident in what you say, yet open and flexible to the other side. I tell you about the different types of anger to show you there is one key difference between the healthy anger and the two unhealthy angers. Did you catch it? It's the need for control. We are all born with a need to control, but through Jesus Christ we can have assertive anger and turn over our control. We can give up the need for control to our Lord and Savior and produce fruit, as we see in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We can learn the gentleness of Jesus through surrender and obedience to the Word. What a gift that is. Next time you're faced with disputes, you can choose one of the unhealthy angers and try to control it yourself. As they get loud, you get louder. Or you can be confident in knowing that God is in control and show patience and love. As they become louder, you become softer. As they become aggressive, you become more gentle. Let's see how many conflicts are diffused by showing gentleness and giving control to God. My next point I'll speak on will be gentleness is attractive and persuasive. Did you know that researchers conducted a study over 59 countries with both male and female college students? In this study, they found that both men and women all chose gentleness more over all other personality traits. We see how attractive gentleness can be in Ruth 2, verses 13 and 14. Before reading this passage, I would like to give you a little context. Ruth was a Moabite woman who had married one of the sons of a widow woman named Naomi. Both of Naomi's sons also died, leaving Ruth and her sister-in-law as widows. Naomi couldn't care for herself or anyone else, so she strongly urged both women to return home to their mothers. But Ruth refused to leave her. Back in this time, a lot of poor people would go to crops after they were harvested to try and get anything left behind. This was called gleaning. Anyway, Ruth decides to glean a nearby crop to help take care of Naomi and herself. This crop was the crop of a man named Boaz. Now we look at Ruth 2, verses 13 and 14. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed her the roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. Personally, when I read that last part, I can't help but think of Jesus. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. As with Jesus, the hungry were made full and still had food left over. It's satisfying to me how the whole Bible always ties back to Jesus. Now Ruth was very attracted to Boaz, but it wasn't because he was a good-looking man. 
It was because he was gentle to her. His gentleness persuaded her to find out more about this Boaz. And as we know, Boaz later married Ruth, and because of the gentleness of both Boaz and Ruth, a widow woman named Naomi was cared for. And Ruth became one of only five women listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. When I read the story of Ruth, it reminds me of another verse. 1 Peter 3, verse 4. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God's sight, which in God's sight is very precious. So, see, gentleness is not only precious to humans when trying to find a spouse. It's also precious to God in heaven as he gathers his bride. My next topic point is gentleness communicates love. When served, be understanding, not demanding. For example, if we're in a restaurant and our server makes a mistake, do we come at them hard focusing focusing on their mistake? This is the wrong meat on my salad. Are you incompetent or dumb? Or you have only one job and you can't even get that right. Or are we more like Jesus? Do we say it's okay? It's not that big a deal. Tomorrow is a new day, and you can try again. We see Jesus communicate love through gentleness in the story of Zacchaeus. Back in those times, a chief tax collector could get very rich. The government would give them a set amount of taxes to collect, and anything they could get above that, they could keep for themselves. Because of this, the people despised tax tax collectors and wanted nothing to do with them. We see how Jesus responds when no one else at that time would have. In Luke 19, verses 2 through 5. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not. Because he was small in stature, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. We see that a little gentleness can awaken someone's heart that might otherwise be dead. My final point that I will speak on tonight is gentleness witnesses to unbelievers. People of the world will not trust Jesus if they don't trust you who brings them the gospel. We are not by nature gentle. We have to learn it and let God produce it in our life. We must always be ready as we see in 1 Peter 3 verse 15. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect we see how the Christian should be to the world in Titus 3 verse 2 to speak evil of no one to avoid avoid quarreling to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people 
<clears throat> we, may, we may try to control our lives as we talked about earlier, but Proverbs 16 verse 1 tells us, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And when the people of the world are against you and can understand you, we take instructions from 2 Timothy 2, verse 25. Correcting his opponent with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. When we open our mouths, let not, let's not waste the words as they are important to the world around us. We see this in Proverbs 10, verse 20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. I could go on and on, but the bottom line is, if the world doesn't see us as gentle, then how can we expect them to ever know Jesus? Side note from the earlier story of Ruth and the five women of the genealogy of Jesus. Out of the five women of the genealogy of Jesus, you had Rahab, Tamar, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. Rahab, oh, I'm sorry, let me skip ahead a second. Um, according, out of the five women in the genealogy of Jesus, according to the world's views at the time and some now, these women seem to all have afflictions or um, spotty reputations. Rahab was a prostitute. Tamar pretended to be a prostitute. Ruth was a sexually forward widow. Bathsheba was taken in adultery. And Mary, pregnant before marriage. This just goes to show what seems to be broke or discarded to the world can be pieced together by God to make something great. If that doesn't give us hope in our sins and failures that our God is a gentle and loving God, then I ask you, what will? Thank you.